where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. I'm guessing that, um, like me, this week has been very emotional for many people. Uh, there are lots of reasons for that, but one of them is the witnessing of the distribution and the administration of the coronavirus vaccine. It has been surprisingly emotional, and that is a testament to what has under, been underneath uh, this time of um, great struggle and grief for many. And what it really brought to light for me uh, and for my reflection is the medical team members. You know, as, we, as I saw that vaccine going into their arms, uh, the courage and care that they have demonstrated over these past more than nine months really exhibits uh, a beyond reasonable expectation of what care is and what their commitment to medicine is. So far beyond that I think it, it really can only be captured with the word love. It's a deep love that compels people to be in harm's way and to return again and again and again to a situation that is both demanding physically and emotionally and is just unrelenting. And so this morning, as we contemplate the gift of love, I want us to look at it at the intersection of love and courage, or courageous love, if you will. And what courageous love looks like in real life can vary with circumstances and conditions. There's a lot of courageous love happening in the world right now. And the medical team members, although they might be most visible, are not the only ones. And it's easy to think of courageous love as something so heroic that it would never pertain to a simple person like me or, or like you or even this community of UCC Longmont that I think demonstrates courageous love often and well. So I want to invite you today to listen to our story from the perspective of courageous love. And this reading comes to us from the gospel that we know as Luke, and it is... Um, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. 
The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And as we know, Jesus is known by many names. And our reading continues. Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Mary said, Let it be with me according to your word. When the announcement that Elizabeth was going to bear a son, it was given to Zechariah, her husband, who was a priest. We know that he sort of was in a place of disbelief and pushed back with the angel, Gabriel, and said, how can this possibly be? And he was rendered speechless, literally, until the birth of the child. I wonder what Elizabeth said when she heard the news or when she began to experience this in her own body. One of the things that came from this pregnancy of Mary is a song. And we heard that song last week in our pageant, but I'm going to read it to you now. And it's a song of praise. And I think it's worth saying that the name Mary, I don't know what the character of Mary or the person of Mary conjures up for you, but I want you to know that the name Mary means rebellious. So allow that to settle about as you hear these words of Mary's song of praise. And Mary said, My soul magnifies God, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty, helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise made to our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. 
And Mary remained there with Elizabeth for three months and then returned to her home. If your life was a song or a poem, what would the first few notes or the opening line be? It's no coincidence that Mary sings her song in the presence of her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth's name can be translated as Oath of God. So in these two situations where an angel named Gabriel or Gabriel is present, and that name means God is my strength, I'm looking over at Robert and Jessica because that's the name of their son, In these two instances, God is my strength appears with an announcement that new life is in the works. From Elizabeth, John will come, and John is the one who prepares the way. And from Mary, Jesus, and Jesus is the way, our scriptures tell us. One of my professors at Creighton University, Wendy Wright, says that Elizabeth in her old age is an example of barrenness becoming fruitful, who in the dry gray sand of her desert was in bloom. You know the the writings of Isaiah say the desert will bloom. Elizabeth is an example of the desert in bloom, well beyond the time when hope could reasonably be summoned. She believed the promise of a God, of her God, would be fulfilled. Remember Mary's song. It ends with, in remembrance of God's mercy according to the promise made to our ancestors. The promise that there will always be life. Now that doesn't mean that Elizabeth always held that promise with conviction. I'm sure there were times when the thread of her holding were tattered, and times when she might have even let go of the promise. In the face of present realities that threaten our capacity to hope or to believe in new life, it takes courage. Takes courage. It takes courageous love in the face of hard times and difficult realities to hold on to a promise that there will always be life. The poet and theologian Padraig Otwama observed that courage and fear come from the same place. He was using sign language as an example that the sign for courage and fear both contain this gesture. And so he said, where there is fear, there is the possibility of courage. I've also noticed that nervousness and excitement live similarly in my body. Sort of the butterflies in the belly kind of thing. And so understanding that these two, courage and fear, nervousness and excitement reside in similar places allows us to pivot in a way that is empowering 
So if you find yourself feeling afraid, a question might be, how am I being invited to be courageous right now? What does courage look like right now? Let it be done to me according to your word. Sometimes courageous love says, let it be. Let it be as a gentle trust and a leaning on God. Not my strength, but God's strength. God's messenger. Gabrielle, God is my strength. It's obvious in scripture that Jesus learned a lot from his mother. In his darkest hour, we hear an echo of his mother's let it be. First, it was in the garden, a place of anguish, where he says, please take this from me. Not my will, but yours be done. This is fervent trust, not gentle trust, fervent trust, almost desperate. And then on the cross, his last words in Luke's gospel, into your hands I commend my spirit. This is bold trust. All of it is courageous love. And it's worth asking, what what compelled Jesus? I mean, where did this come from? If we believe that he was fully human, we can ask that question and allow it to be instructive. And again, in Luke's gospel, we hear the greatest commandment, the key to eternal life. You shall love God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is courageous love. Courageous love leans in and allows time to let something be. And if you're wondering how Jesus demonstrated this, he did it often. He went off to a quiet place. There were times when there was a kerfuffle in town and they were coming after him and he just slipped away or walked away. There's also another story in scripture where he received word that a friend had died and he didn't run to go to that place. He took some time. Perspective takes time to develop and mature, like pregnancy. And the decision to love requires intention and reflection and courage. What does love look like now? What does love sound like now? We are not the creators of love, but rather love finds us and moves through us. I think that's the work of the Spirit. Gentle trust or fervent trust or bold trust Leave space for God to be at work still. And so, in effect, we are working with love. Love jumps in, yes, but love can also take a step back or stay in place. And in these months of staying in place for many, we have engaged un- uh, 
Well, we're doing it by choice, I guess. But we have been thrust into a practice of staying in place that is ancient with the monastics. And it's worth asking, how are you doing with that? And I hope that over this time, while there are probably waves that are very difficult, or as I say, there are moments when I have hit the wall. But then there are moments where new life emerges and resilience kicks in. We must resist the temptation or inclination to fight against or with circumstances and conditions that are beyond our control. And there is a lot that is beyond our control, but not everything. Remember that pivot? Is it fear or is it courage? Is it anxiety or is it excitement? How are you being asked to love courageously now? One of the prayers that I want to commend to you for this time that is not a new prayer, it echoes for me the sentiment of let it be or the practice of let it be. And while it is most widely used in the context of 12-step programs and recovery programs for all kinds of addiction, of substance use and abuse, it also is effective with addictions to the illusion of control or addictions to the false comfort of denial or even the addiction to fear. You may know it as the serenity prayer. God grant me the courage to accept the things I cannot change. No, that's not it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. In other words, help me to let it be. God grant me the courage to change the things I can. In other words, help me to love courageously where I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. The prayer begins with God. The angel. God is my strength. And if that's too much or too hard to grasp right now, Spend time with Elizabeth, or her son John, or Mary. And then, if you want, they can introduce you to Jesus. Jesus.